Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. And hello there everyone again. It's Left After Breakfast here on 3CR, your only radio left. Well, Left After Breakfast is part of 3CR, this great, wonderful organisation still going strong here. And it's our radio thon time listener. Please remember, we'll discuss that a little bit later. But at the moment, I'll just say good morning from me, Susanna Doffy, here with you again on a beautiful Melbourne day. Joined, of course, by the co-host Glenn, 3CR resident historian. Historian, her story and our story. And good morning, Glenn. G'day, Susanna. And of course, g'day, listeners. And may I say, nope, nope, nope. Said but dope. No, please don't say that. Well, he did say that. Well, he I, I he just... condemned thousands of more people fleeing persecution to to being stuck on the seas adrift without any state or any, any safe haven. It's just, but it's so obscene. Nope, nope, nope. But just, we've stopped the boats. But, oh. we stopped the boats. But him... Nope, nope, nope. It's just awful when I hear that. I will never say the word. I, I've been guilty of sometimes, listener, and I apologise for this by saying, oh, nope, or yep. Actually, I use it a lot in, um, well, emails. I, I sort of, when I put nope, uh, that seems to me a sort of friendly way of speaking in an email and straight out, no. When I have to reject someone, I try not to be too harsh. But I will never, ever, ever, ever use that word nope again. It just makes me think of that... I can't even say man, that horrible creature, that failed priest, that friend of Pell Pot standing up there in Canberra. You mean Murdoch's man in Canberra? Murdoch's man in Canberra. Speaking for me. Speaking for me. Well, he doesn't speak for me. He doesn't speak for me, but of course he does. He is the Prime Minister. Regardless of anything else, he is the Prime Minister of this country and therefore... His voice is my voice, no matter how disgusted. And, well, really, it's not even... It's sick, sickened. Sickened I am by it. So when he says, nope, 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 to these poor Sri Lankans, Bangladeshis, and people from Myanmar with a fling, where do they finish up? They're still... Uh, where well, do they go for safety? They don't. They, they die. They okay. will die. Those people will just die. They will die at sea. There's nowhere else they can go. Well, let's go back. Let's go back to another nope, nope, nope. About seventy-six dear, years I'll ago. I'll have to ask you, please, not to use that. I'm just paraphrasing a Rhodes Scholar, my dear. Yeah, but it's he's, what Rhodes Scholar? Wasn't he a Rhodes Scholar? Who Abbott? Yes. God no. Whatever made you think he could possibly make it to be a Rhodes Scholar? <laughs> I'm sure I read in the Herald Sun as a Rhodes Scholar. It, well, did you read it in the Herald Sun? <laughs> no, but seriously, it takes some brains. It takes some, well, some academic learning, some academic background to be a Rhodes Scholar. He left school and went to the seminary. He trained to be a priest. I know Barnaby Joyce wasn't a Rhodes Scholar. And he trained to be, a, well, it's fairly obvious, he trained to be a priest. Anyway. And in the last few months he dropped out. He's a failed. We don't know whether he failed his exams or he just changed his mind or anyway. something. Someone said there's more money to be made out there. Let's and more talk power. about those that are fleeing persecution. Oh, sorry. We're going to go back to May 13, 1939, and the uh, 
the German liner St. Louis South Hamburg, Germany, for, to Havana, Cuba. And on board were 937 passengers. Most of them were Jews fleeing from the Hitler's Nazism, you know. Most German citizens, some from other parts of Eastern Europe, some were stateless. And these Jewish passengers had applied for U.S. visas. And they planned to stay in Cuba for a few days. So hang on, what were they doing? Mm-hmm. So when, when was this? Tell me. May 13, 939. Now fleeing Nazi Germany. So the end of May 1939. Four months before World War II broke out. Well, before war was declared upon Germany. So mm. they were Jewish people. Yep. They knew what was coming. They oh, could see. They could see. So well, we had crystal knocked already. You had huge oh, incarceration. Yes, the of, of, of the, the left wingers and Jews and various others, and they so were they, no, not long lives are quite separate. That was that was the essay and the SS in thirty three, thirty four. Right, was thirty eight. Okay, so they'd seen you know this sort of crystal knocked, but mm. they knew what was coming. These Jewish mm. people with their families. So what did they do? They booked themselves the cruise, or did they? They buy a- they used their life savings to flee Nazi Germany. They booked themselves to get safe passage to the U.S. via Havana, Cuba. So they, on, they were fleeing the horrors of Hitlerism. On, on a ship, on a boat. It was SS St. Louis. Ship. And left Hamburg. SS St. Louis was mm. SS St. Louis. They were, you know, well, that steamship St. Louis was... It wasn't SS, sorry. It, was, it wasn't SS, I was wrong. So, the um, St. Louis was an ocean liner. So it's an ocean liner called St. Louis. And was it American then? It was a Deutsch boat. A German boat with... Yeah. Captain was Gustav Schroeder. He was in charge of a St. Louis. Yeah, so do, do, do you know anything about this ship before it picked no. up? No. But no. it was an ocean liner. Oh, yes. So it must have been... Uh, a big boat. There was 937 passengers. Well, and they were flying for safety. Boat, isn't it? Mm, yes. It, a liner. It's not carrying... The it wasn't only... a rickety broken down boat, but it was a boat full of refugees were fleeing persecution. So it wasn't a cargo boat, it was a big no. boat, and it took almost a thousand people. Yes. And they would go into USA. They wanted to go to USA via Cuba, Cuba. For, for safe haven, for safe passage. And Four as they buckets. set sail, yes. they set sail a one on the boat. They're going to go to Cuba a few days, then go to America. And that, um, on the way, they, there was trouble bringing Cuba. Now, Cuba had a very right-wing government. We know before Castro came to power 29 years later, Cuba was run by basically a fascist junta. And um, the, the passengers on board for St. Louis, they had landing certificates. They had visas issued by the Cuban Director of Immigration. But um, they'd also paid for money. They'd paid for a bond to disembark Cuba on their way to the U.S. But unfortunately, things were happening in Cuba. In Cuba... The uh, extreme right-wingers who were <laughs> peripheral in, but influencing the government and Nazi agents were agitating not to let these boats land. To say, no, no, the boat can birth at Havana, but you can't just embark these passengers. We don't want these Jews in Cuba. Was there any reason given? Because they were. We'll hear that, my dear. We'll come, we'll be revealed. Now, we know the Director General of Cuban Immigration, Manuel Gonzalez, had been involved in, um, what's the word, um, illegally selling landing certificates. So he'd, he'd been corruptly selling documents for immigrants. You know, you can come to our country. We, um, it costs 50 bucks a certificate. I'll give you a quick one for 200 bucks. And he'd made lots of money because all this corruption was occurring in Cuba. And, um, yeah, these Jewish people are fleeing Hitlerism, are fleeing persecution. Here we go, somewhere safe to go. And they arrive at Cuba. And, um, and when they had Cuba, like the rest of the capitalist world, had been through the horrors of the Depression. And Cuba, there's a lot of resentment for the refugees coming to Cuba. 
And the, you know, people, now, refugees, and we lose our jobs. We can't have refugees coming here. So we raise a grand swell of opposition to further refugees coming. Two and a half thousand had been accepted so far. That was enough, they thought. And um, xenophobia, anti-Semitism, was running rife. And in Cuba, the local papers, there was one, the uh, Diero de la Medina, owned by the Rivero family, which is a bit like the Herald Sun and by the Murdochs, opened this huge campaign against bringing more refugees in. Nope, nope, nope. No, no, no. Or nada, nada, nada in Spanish. They said no more refugees for Cuba. And the media was all on this big anti-Jewish sort of um, campaign. And it was a big rally, the largest anti-Semitic rally held in Cuban history, where about 5,000 people attended a demo, no, 40,000 attended a demo to say no more Jews, no more refugees. So similar to Australia now, the media, the robbing elements in the community were appealing to the ignorant, to those uninformed. There's a boatload of people, they're fleeing persecution, their lives at risk, and they're going to Cuba on the way to the US to seek safe haven. And the boat arrives in Cuba. And what does the Cuban government do? It denies them entry. It says, nope, we can't you on board. They finally accepted 28 out of 937 passengers. 22 were Jewish with US visas. The remaining six, four were Spanish, and two were Cubans, had entry documents. And basically, the remaining passengers were turned away. They said, nope, we're not taking you here. We're not going to accept you in Cuba. Yeah, we know you've paid for documents. We know you've paid for landing rights. But um, no, you've been sold dodgy documents. We won't take you here. We'll take 28 out of 937. The rest, you can go to buggery. You can go wherever you want to go. So here they were. They were trapped adrift. They, the, the plans had fallen astray. So they weren't sort of classified as... Uh, refugees then? Well, some had appropriate landing documentation. Others have been sold dodgy documentation. But land document, landing documentation would be a visa. What a visa as a tourist, I suppose. Because you mm. don't get a visa as a refugee saying, here, here you go, mate. Here's your tourist. Uh, here's your refugee visa. The visa you get a, is for a tourist. Now, I'm not sure how the League of Nations recognise refugee status in that period of time. And this is Cuba. Mm. This is the time of the League of Nations before yeah, the Cuba wasn't part of the League of Nations. Well, it might, who knows? But they were aligned to Francis Franco and they were supportive of Nazi Germany. So even if someone had a legitimate claim, there was reasons of stopping them. And they were saying, well, you know, some have valid papers. Yeah, 28 have valid papers. We have a 900 plus. No, no, no. <laughs> nada, nada, nada. We won't let you in. So the passengers were denied entry on the St. Louis. What could they do? Where could they go? They had to go to America. It was the nearest port of call. And the newspapers in America were generally quite sympathetic. There was a, a feeling of that the people are fleeing persecution. Well, let them come to America. And they were German Jews, of course. German Jews, well, some in, Polish Jews, some Czech Jews. Well, in the, in, in, in USA, there'd be people who whose parents, whose family had been um, Jewish or German or or Polish or Czech, mm. Czechoslovakian. There was high-level diplomatic talks amongst members of the American Jewish community, amongst the Cuban government, about allowing access, safe access to Havana, to disembark safely. But again, the Cuban government refused. They said, no, get out of our waters. Get out of the Cuban waters. And there was offers made, look, take these people, we'll pay you to take these people. But unfortunately, the Cuban government, influenced by the fascist elements, the pro-Franco elements, said, no, we are not, nada, we're not taking these Jews in that country. We've taken 28. The other 909 can go to buggery or US. 
Yes, well, we know, uh, we know what Cuba was full of at the time. Oh, they were fascists. Anyway, the boat left Havana Harbour and it was so close to Miami Harbour, which is the nearest port of call on the US mainland, they could see the lights. Some passengers on the St. Louis, they phoned American government officials. Some people tried to phone President Roosevelt saying, you know, let us disembark, please save us. The White House, the State Department, had taken strong measures not to let any more refugees into the US. And um, there was a quota. Here we go, like the quota system, you know. The US had established a quota system which limited the number of immigrants each year. And the annual Jewish... The annual German-Austrian immigration quota in 1939 was 27,370, and they'd already been filled. But they'd taken the quota of German-Austrian refugees or immigrants for the year. Yes, but I mean, what's another 900, for heaven's sake, when they're refugees? And officials, jumpers. And officials in USA would have seen them as refugees. They would have known what was happening. Oh, they did. Particularly with the very large and vocal Jewish... Absolutely. Co- well, like... Well, a community it in was. USA, they would Absolutely. have known. They, they wouldn't have been sort of ignorant of what was going on. They weren't ignorant as so many people in Australia are because they read the mm. Murdoch press and they, they are sheeple and they believe what that man in Canberra tells them. Mm. Well, as I said, like Lawrence Berenson, who's a very highly ranked um, American Jewish barrister, was involved in trying to negotiate settlements and offers money for the Cubans to take people. But the Cubans rejected it. So in the US, they'd filled their quota for the year of German Austrians. And I no, we can't take any more. And as I said, Cuba, like America, had been through the Great Depression. All the horrors, people had lost their jobs, people were poor, and there was a lot of fear, you know. Oh, you bring more people here. It's less jobs for us, you know. So the rise of anti-Semitism, xenophobia, isolationism, was basically, you know, indicating we don't want any more refugees here. And a poll was conducted by Fortune magazine which said eighty five percent of Americans oppose further refugees or immigrants. Eighty five percent of Americans opposed to refugees. These are refugees fleeing from the absolute carnage of yep. Germany. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's pretty much the same as in Australia now. Yep, yep, yep. Possibly even the same percentage of Correct. Australians refuse to take refugees fleeing from the horrors and yep. the carnage of their yep. war-torn yep. areas. Yep. Uh, countries from which they're fleeing, uh, mostly, mostly, largely countries which we have bombed the shit out of. Correctly, Iraq. Yep. So we've caused this dreadful trouble to these poor helpless, hapless people floating around Australian waters right now just waiting to die. We've done that to them, yep. but we don't want them coming in as refugees. Because why? Well, what are they going to do? Because take we, our jobs? Because take we our say who will enter this country and the hell enter this country. Didn't Mr McGoo say something along those lines? We choose who comes hmm. to this country. What uh, a little... Piece anyway, apparently Roosevelt was was quite sympathetic to the needs of these people fleeing persecution, but he felt hemmed in politically, you know. And again, there had been an issue a few months early in Congress where a bill was sponsored by was sponsored by both a Democrats and a Republican senator to allow twenty thousand Jewish children to flee Germany, and the bill was voted down. So Roosevelt the felt, bill was voted down. Twenty-seven thousand right. children. To, the bill was it was moved by Democrat and co-sponsored by Democrat and a Republican to bring in twenty thousand German 
Jewish children from persecution, and the bill was voted down in the House of Congress in America. So Roosevelt felt, even though I'm sympathetic myself, I, I don't, I don't have the numbers, I don't have the the power to bring this through. So basically, the American government of Roosevelt said, "No, we're not letting you birth here. You can go to high heaven." So the poor boat, you know, the, the boat just departed, you know. The boat departed, and it followed me. There was, as well as the S, so as well as the St. Louis, there was two further cases following in May 1939. The French ship, the Flandre, carried 104 passengers. The Orduna, a British vessel, held 72 passengers. Both were not allowed to dock in Cuba. The Flandre returned to France. The Orduna went to a series of Latin American ports, and the Orduna, their boat disembarked his passengers in the Panama Canal. They were safe. The US eventually admitted most of those. There was something, I'm just trying mm-hmm. to remember, there was something in England um, called Kinder Transport that they had attempted to bring some, some uh, well, some little German children, Jewish children, mm-hmm. to England at that time because the English people themselves were very against against these refugees coming from Germany. Yep. They, and there was a lot of anti-Semitic, oh, some dreadful stuff, dreadful stuff yep. going on in their local rags. Um, and it wasn't even the son. It wasn't even Murdoch. It oh, Australian. It would be someone just as revolting, of course. But some. But you think, what was the matter with these people in England that they didn't want to... Anti-Semitism. They didn't want to say that these people dying, they'd managed to get themselves to come... A, there was a number of children, nothing like 20,000, 5,000 or something, little children. And they said, we don't want them. We don't want these little Jews. Can you imagine people? Okay. What, what am I saying? I'm saying, listener, can you imagine can. people behaving like that? But of course I can. They do it right now in Australia, yep. but they're just not Jewish children. That's right. As I said, there's two further boats went to Havana in May 1939, both for refused entry, but one eventually reached the Panama Canal and the passengers disembarked there and went to the US and they were safe. But the St. Louis, it was so heading... how many got to USA? Uh, the British boat, the Orduro, had 72 passengers who safely reached... 72. So it was re- rejected by Cuba, went to the Panama Canal, disembarked there and they reached the US. Yeah, but they weren't staying in Cuba. They were just passing through. They couldn't disembark there. They went to the Panama Canal. No, disembarked there and then went from there to the US. Yeah, but they were. But the point is, in the first mm. place, this ship Absolutely. they were going to USA via yeah. Cuba, so they weren't actually they weren't fleeing to Cuba. They no. were fleeing to USA. Yeah. So what was the problem with the bloody people, the ruling class in Cuba? Anti-Semitism. They were friends of Franco's. Who were friends of Hitler's. Anyway, but Saint Louis, but Saint Louis was left adrift, so they had to return to Europe. There are a lot of Jewish organisations. Europe up with these full yeah, of refugees. Right. A lot of Jewish organisations oh, raised big campaigns and money to save the passengers. Great Britain took 288 passengers. They were saved. The reminder, remainder went to the Netherlands, Belgium, and France. Right. But unfortunately, those. The that's right, they met the Germans a year later. And of those, those passengers, over half died. Only 278 of those passengers survived the Holocaust. The ones who went to Britain, they were all safe, apart from one who was killed in the bombing raid. But those who went to France, Belgium, Netherlands, they were trapped in when the Holocaust occurred and they died. So when our mm. Prime Minister says what he says, he's like, hmm, like the Americans and the Cubans all those years ago, people fleeing persecution and bastards' governments deny them safe access and these people die. 
and they're refugees. Refugees right. have rights. We take. Oh. I saw some stats at work. We have a, a refugee health team at work. We do a lot of good work. Um, some stats from the refugee health team. I, was, I, I could be wrong. We take 0.3 percent of the world's refugees. Oh, not, golly. Not 0.5, not half a percent, 0.3% of the world's refugees well, are given safe haven in Australia. Well, we're such a tiny little country and everyone in we it are. is so damn poor and living hand Correct. to mouth on cabbage soup Correct. We are. that we can't afford to have any right. refugees here. We can't share our cabbage soup with them, can we? Correct. We're so tiny and poor and undernourished right. and starving ourselves. What's wrong with Australians? Well, we, as I said to you earlier, my dear, back in the 70s when I was a young man... Malcolm Fraser, for all his faults, have the decency oh. to bring the Vietnamese refugees in here. We bomb the shit out of their country. Come on. Well, no, I disagree. Fraser did the right thing in those days. The right thing. He didn't. They, they weren't Vietnamese. They weren't refugees from, from Vietnam. Per, they weren't just refugees fleeing the war-torn country after we a lot bombed of them. them. A lot of economic they refugees. They were people who had to get out of the country. But they had to. They were collaborators. Some now, were. I'm not, some I mean, were. Some were. How else did they get out? Now, I'm not saying a word against those people who came here. A lot of them couldn't. But for example, um, my daughter-in-law is came here as a tiny little girl. That wasn't her problem, that her mm. father worked for the Americans fixing their helicopters, which then went and dropped yep. Agent Orange on people, napalm, God knows what. But they were the people who got out of Vietnam, the people who could not stay. They were frightened they'd be jailed. They were frightened they'd be shot. With good reason. As it turned out, they weren't, they weren't particularly shot. They weren't particularly jailed. They were made to work. They had to go and yep. work in factories Absolutely. and Absolutely. work in farms. Hmm. Poor bastards. But they're the people from Vietnam mm. we took care of. I said, I'm not saying we shouldn't have taken them, but they weren't refugees fleeing from the horror and the carnage that we've mm. forced on but them. But again, well, you were saying earlier, we've bombed the shit out of these countries. These people have fleeing the mess we've made. In Vietnam, okay, these are people on our, our side, inverted commas. We, we got them on our side. We bombed the shit countries, and they helped us. At least Fraser had the temerity to say, okay, this is our mess. We've made the mess. We'll at least save some of you people, you know? For right or for wrong. At least Fraser knew these people had been his allies. That's right. They weren't mm. our, they weren't enemies of Australia no, that we'd been were, fighting. Absolutely. They were people who'd helped us. They were collaborators. They, they were collaborators. Yes, that's right. who they were. And that's why mm. Fraser brought them here. Not from any goodness of his mean oh, lying didn't say, heart. He didn't say about his goodness. But I'm saying Abbott. Abbott, these are collaborators also from Iraq and these places. I've been part of the, you know, supporting Australia. Abbott won't let them in. They'll help us, they'll help us fight our wars, but they'll have safe access. That's, I'm saying that's the hypocrisy of Paul Abbott could be the Fraser. I'm not playing Fraser as a great, caring, drink person. Because he wasn't. But at least, but he's not old. He's dead, isn't he? There's some good things there, yes. yes he right. part, but he's part of an old ruling class. So there's some sort of old ruling class values, you know. I don't agree with them, but they exist. And he sort of said, okay, you're our, you're our floatsome. We'll sort of protect you. Because Adam's like, we'll use you, but we won't bring you here. God, no. He's silly, you know, because he could have left them there and let them be punished by having to work and he would have, would have had fabulous bit of propaganda against <gasps> communism. Saying, look what the communists have done in Vietnam. They've made these former landowners and factory owners mm. and collaborators work. Yeah. This is what happens in communism. If, you, if, if you're if you an arsehole, you'll have to work. Yeah, well, as Lenin said, those who do not work shall not eat. Wouldn't, wouldn't that have frightened uh, people here? Oh, people are still frightened. I mean, Australia is a scared little white nation scared in the Asian region. Work. Well, look, Australia's a scared little nation full stop. We're scared of people that aren't like us. We're scared of lots of things. Why but are we scared? We're scared. We're scared of the white nation in the Asia Pacific region. We're scared of people that aren't, that aren't white picket fences, Anglo-Saxon Christians. 
Well, I'm not. I'm not. Ang- you're not. Anglo-Saxon. No, nor am I. But a lot of people are. What are they? Wasps, aren't they? White yeah. Anglo-Saxon voices. Yeah. Well, a lot of people not, are scared. I'm white mm. uh, because I'm of European origin. I'm a Saxon. Origin. Uh, I'm not Anglo-Saxon and I'm not Protestant. I'm Saxon. I'm where Celtic. Where do I fit? Oh, I don't know where you fit. In the studio next to me, I think, currently. In the studio, yes. Actually, listener, in, in, in the studio across the panel, which I am driving, across the panel at him. There's not much space to fit us here, which is why we're in Radiothon. Yes, Conquer. I know. Next Friday, my dear, it's our turn to raise literally untold billions for left well, after breakfast. Not oh. really untold billions, but enough to keep us going, isn't it? Now, while we're on a, I'm on a roll, but before I return to Radiothon, just had a message here from a listener, Morgan Jones, who wants to know about Good the morning, history... morning, Morgan. Hello, Morgan. Who wants to know about the history of the empty plinth in Edinburgh Gardens. Of the, the history of the... Empty plinth. And I don't plinth. know anything about it. My mind is... Uh, Sorry, Morgan, I'm not aware. Mi- what I'm most just, Morgan, is there is a Fitzroy Historical Society. I don't have their contact details, but Google Fitzroy Historical Society no, no, and no, they be the best verse ones. Well, what do you know, my dear? Because I don't Hang know on, about what, it. In, in the, the, the Edinburgh, Edinburgh Garden. It was built in 1901. It originally had a wooden statue of Queen Victoria, which was removed in 1930. But um, I, I just don't know anything about really? it. And Morgan's doing some research. And we can help Morgan. It'll be good. But I'm saying I know Zilch, but at least the Fitzroy Historical Society would hopefully have someone to assist him. So give him a bill, Morgan. But I'm sorry, I don't have either knowledge or beaver contact details. There is yes. uh, a plinth group on Facebook, Morgan. I know I've seen them before. They, I think they're called plinth projects. Okay. But they would, there people there would know about it. But I'm very pleased. I'm very pleased to find that a statue of Queen Victoria was um, removed. Yes, I'm happy too. She was a horrible person. She so was a family. Revolt, but she was the. Well, what do you expect? Look, they don't. The fruit doesn't fall very far from the tree. Yeah, I'm, I can't think of a reply, but I'm trying to get something with you. That's what they say, don't, don't they? And, and she was a great rotten fruit. <laughs> she was, <laughs> she a, was rotten a great person. rotten tree. Like a big watermelon. Great rotten well, she, tree. Well, she was a, not a very nice person, but they're no, not a very a, nice family. She was a very unnice person. They're not a nice family. In fact, I think, I think she was quite a uh, disturbed person. That's not unusual in, in breed. Well, she wasn't so inbred herself. But, but there's, it's in the blood already. It's, it's in the blood generations. already, yes. I mean, you're, you're bonking your cousin, you know, you're bonking your auntie. Well, that's what happens. You, think, you, you know, you should have... What did you just say? If you're bonking your cousin or bonking your auntie... I thought you said that. Yes. Clint, well, Clint. That's what they were doing for hundreds of years. The Battenbergs and the Romanovs and the Windsors, you know, bonking each other. But they're all Same. related. Say, please, please say um, breed with. You don't have to use that. I could use another term, even more colloquially, but I mean. I'm trying to remember the woman's name there. There's a, sorry, the empty plinth in Edinburgh Gardens. Yes. There was a woman involved with this, Hmm. and I madly think of her name. Her name is Isabel, I know, and it's an Irish sort of a name. Isabel Marnie? I just remember. Sully, that's right, Isabel Sully. Okay. And, um,. She's the one who actually started the, who founded the Plinth Projects at first. And I think she actually put something up on that empty plinth in the Edinburgh Gardens. 
I don't know. Herself. So have a look for is so Morgan. Do a Google for Isabel Sully. S U double L Y. Well, cool. That's more like I know. Sully Gardens. I was getting confused. Sully Gardens, Edinburgh Gardens. Talking of Edinburgh Gardens, yes. it's such a nice, um, nice location. You see it as a Scottish word, the br at the end of Edinburgh towns, don't you? Mm. The br, yeah. So that, so that's what you actually see, the br. Or the Berg, as yep. some people sort of pronounce it. Well, Berg's more Deutsch, like Holderberg, yeah, no, it's the same, Hamburg. It's the same word. Yeah. It's the same word, and it's all, and it's all through northwestern Europe, which why well, you find it's in Scotland and in Scandinavia, and in the countries up closer to Scandinavia. But I was just looking at an old photo of mine, looking at my photo album the other day. List. Oh, I do that sometimes, and dream when I was back there, when I was wandering through Rome. There are places in Rome, so little districts, and each one, is, like it's called Borgo. 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 And it's where the Scots used to live. The in merchants Rome? in Rome back in the 16th century. The Scottish merchants. Now, what yes. were they selling in Rome? Well, they were merchants. They weren't selling. They weren't producers. They were traders. Mm. And you'll and I think we'll would find those Scottish traders might even have been originally Scandinavian traders, probably Danish. Most likely, yes. The, there's a lot of the Danes, well, that where did the, well, that Dane law stretched right up to the top of Scotland, didn't it? Of a Scandinavian, the great travellers. They did they were great journeys of traders. discovery. They were traders, yes. Great journeys of discovery. Which reminds me, I, must, I know that SBS is replaying that Professor Neil Oliver's thing about the Vikings. I must watch it again. Not that you care, listener. You don't care, but I'll well, tell some you. Some listeners might care. But, uh, but, I'll, uh, but I'll, I'll tell you what, listener. We're going to be. I've got. We're going to be opening the talk back line soon yes. while the bagman is um, flitting around the Greek islands in investigating FIFA. It's a bit late to be investigated now, bagman, you know, when the top man's lost his job. I don't want to get into this because I don't really understand. I know what corruption is, but I can't talk about something I really don't know about. Surprise. It's a pity the bagman's not here to but Caesar Mellon. But he will, yeah, well... Well, the, the AW... No, well, he's been writing a lot of ads about him. Well, yes, it's interesting. I you go, we'll, go um, we'll, we'll, we'll cut your wages and give us some money. I mean, the AW has a long, sort of history, and this is... Um, so did the shoppies years ago, I remember oh, them. years ago. Before <laughs> the, what about yeah, currently? Yes, but... But any, anyhow, anyhow. But Erica Betts says the uh, shoppies are a good union and Joe De Bruyne's a good union official. Well, so, well if Erica Betts praises you, there's some problems there. There are problems. But anyhow, um, I will be opening up those talkback lines on 94190155. They'll be opening very shortly. And Harmony has uh, is setting it all up and she'll be waiting to get your calls to pass them through through to us here. And Len's going to stay just for a second in case people want to oh, ask yes. him I'm here for about some too. history or the plinth, the empty plinth at Edinburgh. I'll Edinburgh be here for about gardens. 720 more seconds. And, oh, yes, yes, or any sort of... been family business seconds after or that. if you want to ask him some questions on basic arithmetic. Einstein, or, or about, did I? Or about... We have them. That's not basic arithmetic. It is. It's one... It's counting German. counting in some other language. It's German. Well, look, how many people out there can count in at least three languages, Glenn? Well, can you do it in Italian? Of course I can. Do it. Do ten. Why? I'm curious. I don't know how to do it. Oh, look, it's it's from the Latin. It's uno, due, tre, quattro, cinque, sei, sette, nuovo, dieci. Beautiful. Like Spanish. 
Well, because because the Spanish is also from the Latin. Absolutely. And I can and it, and the same as the French de Portuguese? It's, oh, I don't know it in Portuguese, but I'm sure it would be very, very similar. Romanian? The, uh, the Romanian is actually a Latin-based language. I'm mm. surprised to find. And I'm, when I want to go to Romania, I want to go to Dacia to see well, the, where the great victories were. The Romanians are Slavs, Trajans. which is interesting. Well, it's, a, it's just it's the, the merging of cultures over hundreds of years by how things have heard. King, what was the king's name? Hegatop. Hedgatopolix or something. Oh, he had a really big know. long name, but he's their hero. He was King like Zog Herman, in Albania. Like, but the great hero who fought against the Romans and they had to stamp them out entirely. And there's Trajan columns. Mm-hmm. There's Trajan's column in the middle of Rome there with all the pictures of the Dacians all getting nasty bastards. They are the Romanians. That's okay. where it all started. But anyway, I'm going to uh, ask a question for you in, in, in just a moment. But, Glenn... Tell us a little bit more about the Radiothon. Well, what happens every year, listeners, because as we know, 3CR is the only radio left. It's 3R, 3CR. CR stands for Community Radio. And every year we ask you, our loyal listeners, to pledge some money in our direction to keep us on air. Look, we don't get sponsored by big tobacco or motor companies or breweries. We're sponsored by you, the listeners. So every year in June, the Radiothon comes along. And we need you to pledge some money to 3CR, and especially no matter our show, Left After Breakfast. Which Without is your next support, week, next week we'll have right. our special morning. Now, Glenn, I want mm-hmm. to ask the listeners something. And if you can answer this question, listener, well, you're a better man than I am, Gunga Din. But then, and again, every man's a better man than I am. <laughs> I, I, I was born with all chromosomes intact, not, not, not one missing a quarter piece of it. No, but listen, it's... Every year there's like there's an international year of something, you mm-hmm. know, like the international year of what? Uh, give us a quick, you know, sort of international year of disability. Yeah. So what is it this year, the international year of what? Do you know what it is, listener? If you don't, I'm scarcely surprised because no one seems to. I only found out myself very recently. But anyhow, that phone number is 94190155. That's our talkback line. Uh, that's a talkback line. You can give us a ring and tell us what year it is or just give us a ring and ask us a question about the St. Louis or whatever. But if you mm. do know what year it is, let us know. Well, you mean which year on the Gregorian calendar or another calendar? Well, no, what, when it's called the International Year of Something. You just mentioned one, sort of, mm, you know, like disability, know. and you don't know what this year no, is. No, I'm stuck. Well, this year is the International Year of Soils. I'm not knowing. And it's already due. Soils. International Year of Soils, but if you've missed it, you're not the only one. Goodness. And when you look at it, almost every other issue, all other issues, all, well, let's say almost, other issues are superficial by comparison to Goodness. soil loss, but no one ever talks about it. You know, if you think about it, imagine... Well, land clearing is a bad example now, of Imagine that. a wonderful planet. A planet on which there is no threat of climate breakdown, no loss of water, no antibiotic resistance, no obesity crisis, no refugees no dying. No diabetes. No refugees dying in the waters off Australia here because we're too revoltingly cruel to let them in. All this, there were no women being murdered by their men every week. No workers being let's, killed by greedy employers. Let's just imagine if that was all fixed by some miracle. And it's all done. We're still buggered if we don't 
address an issue that's so marginal and so irrelevant that you can go for months without even seeing it in a newspaper. Because it's literally, Glenn, it's literally, and it seems like metaphorically, it's beneath us. Well, it is. It's beneath us. We're, it's we walk on it. We of, walk on it. It's unworthy of consideration, but all human life depends on it. It does. There's a Sanskrit text written around 1500 BCE, and I've got it here in front of me. If I can just find it, I've got to put, hang on. Listen while I shove my glasses on to read what it says. This Sanskrit uh, text. It says, "Upon this handful of soil, our survival depends. Husband it, and it will grow our food, our fuel." and our shelter, and surround us with beauty. Abuse it, and the soil will collapse and die, taking humanity with it. Well, nothing's changed since 1500 BC, but landowners around the world are engaged in an orgy of soil destruction. But I'll tell you what, Glenn, it's so intense that according to the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organisation, the world has about... 60 more years of growing crops mm. at the rate we're going, not if it speeds up, but at the rate we are going. Well, it's like land clearing, which, which when you cut your trees out, nothing holds the soil in place. 12 million hectares a year are lost through soil, you know, through the degradation of yeah. soil. We trash rainforests as we go yeah, on. We tra- he skips land, forest it, air. It's a magical substance, soil. It's absolutely magical. And the techniques that were supposed to feed the world threaten us with starvation. Where now. do you grow anything if you don't have soil? But when, whenever I mention this issue, you know, people ask me, but surely farmers have an interest in looking after their soil. They don't. They don't care. Ordinary farmers do, like you and I, listen. People with their own backyard gardens absolutely. care about it. My but, garden runs on compost, but, which is in the soil. But where are those... Big farmers, where are those people who are degrading the forest now? Where are they going to be in 60 years' time? They don't care. They'll be dead, so they don't care. So they that's just right. destroy our soil. That's right. That's, that's really w- what it is. War and pestilence might kill large numbers of us, but we mm. tend to get back what we want without soil. And it's not as if we're short of uh, solutions, for heaven's sake. No. There are better ways of doing it. There's zero tillage, uh, there's conservation, agriculture. Permaculture. Permaculture. That means working with complex natural systems rather than replacing them. Correct. Well, why aren't we just doing it? Well, well, look, it's just a macho commitment to destructive short term and it resists all evidence and all logic. Never mind life on earth, Glenn. We'll plough on regardless. Plough's a word. And we'll but talking of ploughing on, we'll go back to that horrible creature in Parliament and we'll take a call from Bonnie. Good morning, Bonnie. G'day. Once we take Bonnie. I just heard you mention the fact that you couldn't um, uh, appreciate the fact that Tony Abbott is a Rhodes Scholar and I couldn't either. So a few years ago I looked it up and uh, one of the things he won it for was uh, rowing, he was a, a, a blue or something. He won the blue ribbon for it. Is that a row scholar and or a road scholar, Bonnie? <laughs> I'm perplexed. Road scholar. Oh. Not rowing. <laughs> say row. For rowing and for boxing. And there was one other academic. Um, well, they aren't in any way. The, the, theology, perhaps. Uh, I, I don't think it was theology. It might have been something like. English or something. Oh, it wouldn't uh, be English, would he? You can't speak. But, but, but anyway, thank you, Bonnie. Speak no, he can't. I know that, but 
I, if you look on Google, you'll... Yeah. It, I'll it check seems it. very evasive. You've got to look for it. I think it's very vague, and I think it's been brought up before that, no, that he was said to be a Rhodes Scholar, and then it said, no, that he actually is not. But there were stories oh, well, about him being a Rhodes Scholar. When I, when I looked it up, like you, I couldn't, I couldn't really believe it. It depends where, where, where you look, of course, what, what answers Google, Google comes up with you. Okay, Bonnie, thanks for your call, and I will Thank Google you, that as soon as I'm out of this studio. Thanks. Tough. Uh, Bonnie called on nine four one nine zero one double five. Yeah, who else has been a Rhodes Scholar? I mean, Bob Hawke was, wasn't he? He was a Rhodes Scholar, but um, hmm, not too many Rhodes Scholars have held the highest title in Australia. John Howard certainly wasn't. That's for sure. He was a lot of things. He wouldn't have been a Rhodes Scholar. No, he, no, no, no. It was Bob Hawke who was a Rhodes. Hawke was a Rhodes Scholar. No, but I'm sure I did find a thing that actually that uh, Abbott was not a Rhodes Scholar. And if he had been a Rhodes Scholar, he would have been screaming about it, wouldn't he? He would have been told us all about it many times, many times before. Well, these things happen. These people sneak through lines. But um, yeah, tell you, Gina Reinhardt's not a Rhodes Scholar. Mount Gina. I'm sorry, listener. Now, she left I'm... university early because she thought it was too left-wing to study. Two left wing to study. She was doing what? some studies at uni. I can't, I can't what it was. Probably it was two English. left wing. Yeah, maybe. Maybe business was two left wing for her. Oh, could have been. Yes, I'd say business were two left wing for her. But look, I must say, listen to her. I'm very sorry about this. I mustn't call her Mount Gina just because someone is. Um, calorie enhanced. Calorie enhanced and part of the obesity crisis of the first world. I can't call her Mount Gina, can I? So apologise to people. My word. Hmm. She's certainly a wealthy lady, Gina Reinhardt. She's certainly well, she has more dollars than we do and more power than we do. But these are part of the process, listen. This is the world we live in. And as a way of tackling the, the Gina Reinhardt's of the world, you should be supporting 3CR during Radiothon time, which comes up for us next Friday, June 12th. Isn't it right, my dear? June 12th is our Radiothon day for Left After Breakfast. Actually, the Radiothon runs at 3CR from the 1st to 14th of June for two weeks because we need to raise $220,000. Because every year on the the airways costs us $90. So please, listener, support 3CR, which is your only radio lift. And, Glenn, we're going to have to interrupt ourselves for just a moment here with, um, well, we're going to have to listen to some music, not have to. Let's go back home to Broome. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.